here. Um, what have you guys been thinking about? School's over. What's exciting you these days? What are you guys looking forward to this summer? What's been on your minds? What do you got? Vacation. Where are you going? You're going to Utah. All right. Tell the Mormons I said hello. You're going to Galveston. I hope the water is still clean. Has anybody seen the pretty water that's been flowing over? Is it amazing? I don't believe it. So, Galveston, great. We love going to Galveston. We love staying at the Galvez, really old hotel, ghost stories and the like. Who else? What are you guys thinking about? What are you excited about this summer? Bailey. Mission Houston. Way to go. Extra plug. Well done. I appreciate that. Raise for you. There's no real raise. Um, Anybody else? One more thing. You excited about what's on your mind as we leave school and enter into our summer? Anybody? Being here right now. Oh, you're too kind. All right. Well, hey, here's what I've been thinking about. As school is letting out and summer is beginning, I've been thinking a lot about spiritual warfare. That's not something I typically think about. It's something I thought about a lot when I was a new believer, but I keep opening my Bible in my quiet times over at Starbucks every morning, and I just open my Bible and see what God has to say to me wherever I land. And lately, this past month, on four separate occasions of all these pages in the Bible, I am opening to the exact same page over and over and over again. Four times of the 66,000 scriptures, like verses, in the Bible, I keep turning to the same one four times in 30 days. That's crazy. Do the math, because I can't. It's amazing. Here's the scripture that I keep opening to over and over. Psalm 141.5, I pray constantly against the wicked and their deeds. I pray constantly against the wicked and their deeds. So who are the wicked that David, the psalmist, is referring to in this passage? Well, you can find your answer in the most famous passage on spiritual warfare in all of the Bible, Ephesians chapter 6, which says this, stand firm. This is God talking to us. Stand firm. Be strong. Don't lose any ground. Just gird yourself. Stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. That's who we're talking about. But it goes on. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. No, this fight is against tyrants, against authorities, against supernatural powers and demon princes that slither in the darkness of this world. We are fighting against wicked spiritual armies that lurk about in heavenly places. The wicked that the psalmist says that we should pray constantly against is the devil and it is the spiritual authorities that are down here sharing the earth with us until the end days, until God says enough and we go up to heaven if we've declared our faith in Jesus and then all the demonic princes and spiritual warfare mess and fallen angels will go to the lake of fire forever. But that hasn't happened yet. And because that hasn't happened, we have an enemy. He is very real. He is very powerful. He knows what we're up to. And he doesn't like to see us draw close to the Lord. And so God says through the psalmist, pray constantly against the wicked, against your enemy, against the devil and his schemes. And the fact that I've opened it four times in one month, I feel like God is telling me, 
It's time that you took it to the next level, and you need to pray constantly against the wicked and his schemes. So, why are we praying against the wicked and his schemes? Well, I think we find our answer personally in Isaiah chapter 32, which is right here on my arm. It's my verse and partly your verse for the entire 2018. Isaiah 32 says, look, a righteous king is coming, and honest princes and princesses will rule under him. And each one of you will be like a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert, and the shadow of a great rock in a parched land. Then everyone who has eyes will be able to see the truth, and everyone who has ears will be able to hear it. This is one of the passages, one of many, that I feel like God has given to us saying, I'm going to send you revival. And in order to receive it, you need to acknowledge the righteous king, Jesus Christ. He's our Lord and Savior. And then I need you to be honest with me, God. I need you to be honest about what you're going through, what you need, where you're at. And if you can just do that, if you can be honest and acknowledge Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to make you into shelter for the people around you. They can come to you and be sheltered. I'm going to make you like a refuge from the storms of life so that when people are going through tough stuff, they'll look to you and say, man, she is standing firm. He is standing firm. I'm going to go to them and I'm going to find shelter and they're going to tell me about Jesus. They're going to tell me about their hope. I'm going to make you like streams of water. You're going to be refreshing to people who are maybe downtrodden and hurting. You're going to be like the shadow of a great rock in a parched land. People can just come and sit with you and they can be prayed for by you. They can be encouraged by you. And it's be like sitting underneath a beautiful shadow in the middle of a great parched land. That's a picture of what this revival, I believe, is going to look like. And as we are honest with God about who he is, about what we need, etc., it says, everyone who has eyes will be able to see the truth because you're honest with God. And everyone who has ears will be able to hear the truth because you're honest with God. Now, we pray against the wicked because of that, because God has promised rescue, refreshment, and revival and because revival changes eternities. God uses revival, and you can look at the history books and see here and there where it's happened, and like eternities are changed forever, and cities are changed forever, and entire nations changed forever when this thing like called revival just happens. You can't manufacture it. I can't do anything to make it happen. God's just going to choose to do it. We feel like he said he's going to do it, and when it happens, it's going to be way bigger than student ministry, but I feel like he said it's going to start here, in our enemy, the devil, those demonic princes and principalities and whatever, they are working hard to do whatever they can to stop it, to keep us really from enjoying it, walking through it. And I feel like God is saying to us over and over these past couple of weeks, it's time to wake up and it's time for you to say no more. No more for the enemy stealing and robbing and destroying what God wants to do in me and in my life and in my student ministry. So, knowing all of that, I want to tell you guys a story. So, when I was your age, I had some tough circumstances, like many of you do, and I talked about some of them last week. Um, you guys know that when I was your age, I had my heart broken for the first time. I gave my heart to a girl, and she just like stomped on it, and it hurt, and it was hard, and it was brutal, and it took me years to get over it. That happened to me when I was around your age. I had a friend group, like my closest friend group. And they just abandoned me. They turned on me. They 
like pretended I didn't exist at school. They gossiped about me, and that happened to me when I was around your age, and that was tough. Um, my parents' marriage just fell apart in front of my own eyes in my house, um, and that happened to me when I was your age, and that like this one thing that I can always count on, my parents married together, just disappeared like that. And that was really tough to walk through. And as I mentioned those examples, I encourage you throughout this sermon, and you can start now, grab the pen and paper underneath your seat. There should be two cards. Use one, save the other one for at the end of the sermon. But what are your tough circumstances? Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's somebody in your family has cancer. Maybe it's a friend took their life. Maybe it's that you feel invisible in your own home or in your friend group. But what's the tough circumstance, the very real difficult thing that you have going on in your life? Because God wants to speak good things into that. He wants to encourage you in that today. So don't be afraid. Nobody's looking over your shoulder. If you are, stop. Write down what your tough thing is that you're going through right now. Now, as a result of these circumstances, um, within me grew up some ugly feelings. So I had tough circumstances that we all have, and because of those tough circumstances, I developed some really ugly feelings. And some of those were, I felt completely isolated. Like I I no longer had a girlfriend. I no longer had friends. I didn't even have um, married parents anymore, so I felt very alone and isolated. Maybe you know what that's like. Um, I felt very angry. I was so angry for getting dumped. I was so angry at my buddy Tim for dating my girlfriend the day after she dumped me. I was so angry for my friends turning me. I was so angry that my parents couldn't make it work for me, right? I was angry. Um, And really, I was broken. Like, my heart broke. Um, My friendships, what I had built my life on, my, my buddies, broken. My one thing that I could always know was there, my parents being for at the end of the broken. I was isolated and I was angry and broken. And again, I ask you to just think about, you have tough circumstances, we all do, but how are you feeling about those? Be honest with God about that. Write that down. How are you feeling as a result of whatever it is that you pointed out a second ago? Own it. Now, tough circumstances led to ugly feelings, which led to some bad habits, right? I started acting out, as many of us do. Um, some of those bad habits were I started mouthing off to people, especially people in authority, especially, you know, my parents, my authority figures, they were like symbolic in everybody I met that was older than me, and I just started mouthing off. I couldn't mouth off to them, so I started mouthing off to teachers, to authority figures. Um, whoever tried to tell me what to do, I would mouth off to them. Another bad behavior, a bad habit, was I just started skipping school. Do you guys know that Um, My sixth period class, my senior year, in one semester, I skipped. I just left school early 34 times. I do not know how they handed me a diploma on graduation day. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I failed that class, but I think they just were like, you can just go. Bye-bye, right? But I developed some horrible habits because of the way I felt alone and broken and angry. And skipping school was part of that. Really stupid on my part. Um... I've mentioned this before, but I I got involved with a bad friend group as I tried to replace my broken one, and the friend group I got involved with did a lot of drugs, and so I started doing drugs. And I would start doing drugs at 16, and that habit would stay with me for about a decade of my life. And something that I've, I've never really talked about with you guys, but I started stealing things, right? I started stealing stuff. Um, as a result of these bad habits, I then developed some false 
beliefs. You have heard my bad habits, and I hope you're thinking of yours, because again, we all got them, and you're being honest with God and just writing them down because he wants to deal with them today, not against you, but for you. But these bad habits that I walked in on a daily basis slowly changed the way that I thought about God and myself, and I developed some beliefs, and my beliefs were, I am too far gone. I am broken. I am irreparable. Um, nobody loves me was a belief that I held, right? My friends don't love me. My girlfriend doesn't love me. My parents don't love me. I believed I was unlovable. Maybe that's you today. And then I really, this was the, the kicker for me, but I believed that God was done with me. I believed God abandoned me. I believed I was so just broken that God was like, you're just a lost cause and I'm just going to turn my attention to other people. What false beliefs do you have about God, about yourself, as a result of your behavior, your habits, that have been spawned by your feelings that come from the very real fact that we all have hard things in our life? So, I mentioned stealing. Uh, And again, I've never talked about that with you guys. Um, I've been a pastor for about 10 years. I've never brought it up. I don't know why, but I am today. Um, I started by just stealing money from my mom's purse. Anybody ever done that before? Anybody want to be honest? Jamie Medina. Thank you. Sinner. What's up, sister? Um, I stole money from my mom's purse, and this was back in the 80s and 90s, right, when $20 could get you a little farther than it does today, $100 could, and I would just snatch 20s and 100s out of her purse. I would go to swim practice. I would skip swim practice. I would go to Chubby Bumpkins, look it up, in the woodlands, and I'd play video games for the entire swim practice because I skipped swim practice. So I stole all kinds of money from my mom. It was so easy, and I got so good at just kind of being like, you know, taking things that I was like, I bet I could steal from like regular people too. I started stealing knickknacks from like gift shops, gum from convenience stores. Um, I used to go to the Renaissance Festival every year on multiple occasions. I don't know if you've been there, but I stole all kinds of stuff from the Renaissance Festival. I don't know why I did that. I'm sure I could psychoanalyze myself and figure it out, but it was a horrible behavior. I didn't really even keep much of the stuff I took. I would just give it away to my friends who thought it was super cool that I could just walk up and be like, you know, nobody see me. But I did do that, and I don't know the number, but I know that over the years that I did that, when I was your age until about high school, thousands of dollars of stuff easily, and I never got caught. And it was dumb, and it was reckless, it was irresponsible, and it was totally disrespectful to just humans, just people. And you can imagine after stealing, after living a lie that I am a thief for years, how that would start to change the way that I think. Um... I believe I started stealing as kind of a coping mechanism, but after a while, stealing became part of me, and I would just walk into a room, and I'd be like, I wonder what I can take, and maybe you have a habit that's kind of like that, that's literally ruling your thoughts so that you can't even be around your friends or your family or strangers without thinking something that's really not who God designed you to be. Um, Stealing didn't just change the way that I thought, it, it literally changed my identity. God's Word says... That we, that I, am a royal priest. Every single one of you, God's word says, you are royal priests and priestesses. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. That's what God says about you right now. All the time. That's who you are. Royalty, holy, God's special possession. I didn't have a relationship with God when I was your age. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't know this. Even if somebody told me, I wouldn't have believed it because my actions, God's word said those things, but my actions of stealing told me, you're a thief, there's nothing good in you, and God's disappointed in you. 
Now, I eventually grew out of stealing shortly after high school. I think I was like, man, if I get caught, I'm going to jail. I should stop. But it had been years that I had stolen stuff, and the damage was done. And as a result of that sinful behavior, that bad habit, I would go from hating my circumstances, girlfriend left, friends left, parents left, to hating myself. I hated myself. I was a thief. I was a criminal. There was nothing good in me. I felt like I believed that God abandoned me, and I hated myself. And not only that, I didn't trust anybody. How could I? I stole from everybody, so why would I trust anybody? Because after you steal, after you do something wrong long enough, you're like, well, everybody else is like that too. Everybody's out to steal my stuff. So that was me when I was your age, and that was one of the bad behaviors I developed as a result of tough circumstances leading to ugly feelings, leading to bad behavior. Now, not long after becoming a believer in my late 20s, after giving my life to Jesus, God brought me back to that time in my life when I stole. He convicted me of my behavior. And he convicted me that, man, what you did was sin, right? And we need to talk about it. Um, But I'm like, God, it's been 10 years since I stole anything. Why does it matter if we talk about it now? Like, I don't do that anymore. It's over. I haven't done it or thought about it in years. But God was like, no, we need to deal with this. Because God knew that that sin still was haunting me. It may have been 10 years since I'd done it, but I did a lot of it. I never talked to God about it, and it was still affecting me. And he knew, and this is key, that the enemy was still using it against me. Those demonic influences, those principalities that are all around us all the time out in the world, they were using it to shame me, to make me feel guilty, to make me feel afraid, to make me not trust anybody. As soon as I was having a good day, I know that some spirit of just guilt would prod me and be like, you're still a thief. You're still garbage. You're still worthless. God knew that that sin was still haunting me, and he knew that the enemy was still using that old thing against me. And again, I ask you to just consider for your own self, what's that thing maybe that you have had in your past that you're like, no, I'm over that. I'm, I'm dude with that. Did you ever deal with it with Jesus? Did you ever ask him to set you free? Did you ever come to him and say, you know, I I used to do this. I don't anymore, but I know it was wrong. Or maybe you still have it. Maybe you're still in that bad behavior. And that's okay. God can do something with you and for you today bigger than you can imagine. As I considered how I was feeling and the fact it was true that this sin was still haunting me 10 years later, that I was still being poked and prodded by the enemy, I asked the Lord, okay, you're convicting me. I, I know that was wrong. How do I change? How can I become free of this thing 10 years old? And God told me, you need to confess your sin and you need to return the stuff that you stole. And I'm like, okay, um, I can confess my sin, but how do I return the stuff I stole? Like, so much of it I just gave away to friends. So much of it I don't have anymore. And he was like, whatever you kept. That's what you need to return. Like, work with what you've got. Or apologize to the people you stole from if you no longer have what you needed. One of the first things I did was went to my mom. And I was like, you remember in high school and junior high and I was on some team? Yeah, I used to totally steal like $20, $100 from you a week, easy, to go play video games. And I'm sorry. And she held me and she said, you know, as a grown man, and said, I forgive you and thank you for confessing. I know that I can see this isn't easy for you. And she, she said it was okay. And like... A lot of animosity between me and my mom, a lot of distrust from me to my mom, like, disappeared like that as I apologized to this thing I had done against her, and it was amazing. And I was like, oh, I want some more of that. I I like this. Um, I apologized to a couple other people that I had stolen from that I could remember. 
Um, I gathered some of the stuff, like I, I, I didn't have a lot of the stuff left over that I stole, but what I had, I gathered together, and I gave back or I got rid of. Um, I didn't know the people I stole from, from like gift shops or whatever, so I did the best I could. I wrote some letters to some people apologizing who no longer live near me. Um, most of the stuff that I kept that I had stolen was from the Renaissance Festival. And so I just went to the Renaissance Festival one weekend, and I literally had like a bag of stuff that I had stolen 10 years before. Those people, like, they don't still work there that had been working there. I didn't even know which stands I had taken from. So I literally just walked around the Renaissance Festival, and I had like a knife that I stole. And this place sells knives, and I was just like, I just put it on the counter. I was like, it's theirs now, and I left. I don't know if it was the best way to do it, but that's the way I did it. I just went around the Renaissance Festival, and I kind of gifted all these little things to different shops and tents and a couple people I talked with. And that's how I got rid of all the stuff that I stole. And every time I laid something down, every time I wrote a letter, every time I apologized, you guys, it was profound. But it was like as I was giving stuff back, as I was saying, I'm sorry, um, I could feel my integrity being restored. I could feel my soul being strengthened. I could feel the boldness and confidence of being like, I'm a good person rising up in me that had been just diminished and invisible for so long. It was so good to confess my sin and do something about it, to obey God by saying, this was wrong and I'm going to do something about it. How is that possible? How is it 10 years after this sin that God could make me right? Because God's faithful and he's just and his word works. Here's what the Bible says about confession. 1 John chapter 1. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. And if you're in the audience this morning and you're thinking to yourself, I don't really have anything. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and we are not living in the truth because we're all sinners. But if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us our sins. To cleanse us from all wickedness, it says. If you confess that this thing that I did wrong was wrong and I'm sorry, God, it says right here, he is faithful and just to forgive you and heal you, cleanse you. And that's what God was doing as I went to this person, that person, these people, and said, I'm sorry. That's what he was doing as I was saying, take this, I don't want it anymore. Take this, I don't want it. I stole this when I was 12. Take it, I don't want it anymore. And so again, for you listening to this story, do you have a hidden mistake that's either active or old that God is stirring you to remember today? Stirring you to think of, yeah, I, I, did, that. I did that a long time ago or last night, and I know it's wrong. God's telling you about that. He's reminding you about that this morning because he wants to set you free from that. He wants to break that behavior in you. It's a good thing. It's not, he's not looking at you in judgment. He's looking at you like you are closer to freedom than you realize. You're going to walk out of here a different person. Um, the enemy is using and uses our mistakes, the things we're tempted to do and then fall and do. He uses them to take us out of the game. So if you have something God is stirring in you to remember that you've done or are doing that you know is wrong, would you just write it down? Just own it. You're going to deal with it in just a few minutes. So 
I had a reason to mention this steal, a story of stealing, the sin that I used to be involved with, because last month, just a few weeks ago really, um, I took my family to the Museum of Natural Science in Houston, and I took all kinds of dinosaur pictures, right? I love going to the paleontology hall and looking at all the bo- old bones and seeing these massive creatures that used to wander around all over the world, and I love taking photographs, as you guys know. So I took all these pictures of dinosaurs and their skeletons, and um, I turned some of them into prayer cards. Here's some of the ones I turned into prayer cards. So here's three of them. So we got like this saber-toothed cat. We got this giant fish monster. We got the T-Rex on the right. And so I've turned those into prayer cards, and maybe we'll study one or two of them next semester when we get back to small groups. Um, And as I said at the start of the message, God has been encouraging me to pray against the enemy and his schemes. So all of these cards that have pictures of dinosaurs, I put scriptures with them about the enemy and his schemes, and these are the things I've been praying about lately. Um, this card on the left is, says, My enemies have set a trap for me, and I am weary from distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. And so I've been praying, Lord, any traps you've been setting for me or my students or my family, may they fall into those traps. This card in the middle, right? Praise the Lord, it says at the top. Praise the Lord who did not let the enemy's teeth tear us apart. No, we escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap, and the trap is broken and we are free. So I've been praying lately, God set us free. I pray for rescue. I pray that whatever traps the enemy has laid, because that's how he works. Do you know that there's traps out there for you right now that you're heading into? And God is like, oh, if you pray about it, I'll set you free from it. I'll rescue from it. So I've been praying for you guys and for me and for my family. Set us free from any hidden traps that are out there. Break the traps. Give us freedom. This last card with the T-Rex, I think it might be my favorite. The end of this psalm says, like rocks brought up by a plow. Picture a plow going through the dirt and these rocks are coming up. Like rocks brought up by a plow, the bones of the wicked will lie scattered without burial. I mean, that's just a picture of dinosaurs themselves. Just bones laying all over, scattered, just forgotten, just neglected. And so I've been praying, God, destroy our enemies, smote the wicked, and let their bones just fall and be ignored. Like, just destroy the enemy so completely that he's nothing but just discarded skeletal pieces. As I was making these prayer cards, I had an idea when I read Psalm 58. I hadn't read Psalm 58 in a long time, and I was like, oh my goodness, that would make a great spiritual warfare prayer card. But I realized I need a picture of a dinosaur tooth, particularly like a big, gnarly tooth that's been broken. And I looked through all my pictures from the museum that day, and I didn't have a picture of any dinosaur teeth. But then I remembered, I have, I own, I possess an actual broken dinosaur tooth, it's downstairs. And so I go downstairs, and I reach into a box that I have had closed for years, and I pull out this ancient Tyrannosaurus Rex tooth. This is a legit thing that I'm holding in my hands. And it's been broken and been put back together, and there's cracks and crevices all through it, and it's just, you can feel the weight of it. It's a old dinosaur tooth. Now, the reason that I have this is because I stole it. I stole this tooth on a trip in an RV with my family. I don't even remember when. I think I was 11 or 12 years old. And we went by one of those old fossil shops on a lonely highway, and they had all kinds of gems and rocks for sale. 
And he had some old dinosaur bones just on a table. And I was feeling rebellious that day, and I was feeling angry at my parents that day, and I just took that tooth, and I put it in my pocket like it was no big deal. And when I was giving away all the things that I stole and confessing my sin, this was, one of the, this was the thing. I don't know what to do with that. I don't know where I took it from. I don't know what to, where to put it. I don't know who to apologize to. And I, I must have just put it in a box and forgotten all about it until the other day as I was like, oh, I need a picture of a dinosaur tooth. Well, I have one because I stole it when I was 11 or 12 years old. So I went downstairs. I got my tooth. I made my prayer card, which I'll show you guys in a few minutes. And then I was really like, you know what? I'm going to share the story of stealing and how it impacted me and changed the way that I thought about myself. I'm going to share with my students this sin issue and behavior that I was involved in for a long time. And then when I'm done, I'm going to take this last little vestige of my bad behavior and my sin, and I'm going to donate this thing to the Museum of Natural Science this week. So that will actually happen. This week, I'll find myself cruising down to the Museum of Natural Science, and I'll say, can I talk to somebody in that wing? And be like, I don't know if you have a reason for it, but I don't want it. I stole it when I was 12. I'm going to confess my sin, and I'm going to give it to them. And if there's any hint of sin or any single little claw that the enemy has kept in me all these years, I know as I do this, God's going to set me free because I'm going to obey him and I'm going to confess my sin and I'm going to get right with this hidden little thing that I've forgotten about. Um, It's been 30 years since I stole that. That's crazy. And yet, because God blesses obedience, I'm going to confess my sin and Jesus Christ is going to be faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from any residual wickedness. And I know that that's exactly what God wants to do for every single one of you in this room today. So that you can reclaim your confidence, so that you can allow Jesus to disarm your enemy as you confess your sin, and so that we can begin receiving and praying for the rescue and refreshment and revival that God says he wants to unleash on us. But first, we just need to be honest with him and get right. So, I'm going to invite the band to come up here, and we're going to do some business with the Lord. You guys come on up. Um, We all have or have had broken hearts, broken homes, people bullying us, or maybe we're the bully. We've all had parents or friends that have ignored us, and we all need to know and understand that when we are hurting and when we are confused and when we are feeling lost and forgotten, that that is when the enemy who is very real and very powerful and very out there, will come and tempt us to take our bad situation, our bad circumstance, and we will make it worse by turning a tough situation into a sinful behavior. I lived in shame for a decade, believing I'm a thief, I'm a criminal, I'm less than, and the enemy took advantage of me and bullied me because of what I did. And I know in this room there's some of you here that an enemy has been doing the exact same thing with that hidden thing that you've got. He's been taking advantage of you. He's been bullying you. He's been taking the thing that he tempted you to do, and then as soon as you do it, he comes in with shame and guilt. But if we obey God together today, if we confess our sins together today, if we pray against the enemy and his schemes today, I know that Jesus is going to set something in motion that is greater than we can imagine.